This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Agenda Podcast with me, Ian Crow, as well as Connor O'Neill. How are you, Connor? Not too bad, Ian, yourself. You didn't keep them well? Yeah, not too bad, considering um, what's going on in the world at the moment. This is obviously... Um, I'm sure everyone knows now who's been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast that uh, most um, most of us are working from home at the moment, so we're doing our best to bring you as many podcasts as we can. Obviously, there is no football, but we are um, trying our utmost to, to come up with ideas and um, bring the podcast. So we've sent the, the shout out for some, some questions as usual for the Agenda Podcast. As usual, this is the podcast where you, the listeners, send in the questions you, the listeners, set the agenda. And Connor, we have got some questions. Well, before we get there, just uh, you are good, yeah? You, you're working from home yourself? I am, yeah. I've uh, been working on for over a week and uh, I'm not going to lie to you, I feel like a lifetime. But, uh, you know, needs must in these you know, crazy times that we're currently living in. You know, obviously, while it's disappointing to some of us, well, I work from home and do stuff like this. There are people in a lot worse positions than than the rest of us right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you are, how are you coping with all Premier League football? Nice little break from Everton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you, when you first get the first bit of break, you think, oh, well, no, that's, that's not too bad. But, you know, now, almost, it's, <laughs> I think we're all getting a little bit, a little bit bored. And I think, you know, the weekend really hit home and you know, there wasn't a single ball kicked across another country. So, yeah, it's uh, a little bit bored now, I think. And I think, you know, we'll all relish the return whenever that may be no problem well glad that you're good and we've got plenty of questions as I say to get through so um, I will begin with the first one uh, regular submitted of questions to the Royal Blue Agenda podcast we've got Matthew Barry who asks if you could be isolated with one person from Everton's history who would it be? I think no the the most recent one I, I would pick from, obviously, you know, last couple of years and, and in times gone by, you know, that's been Leighton Baines, wouldn't it? You know, I think he's just an all-around kind of cool guy, you know, very modest, very, you know, laid back, down to earth. And, you know, if he blows his guitar, you'll be able to have a good sing-along and, and keep yourself entertained. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Would, would he, not that, not that Leighton Baines is too boring, I'm not saying that, but would he be a bit too quiet for your liking? Well, it's out of isolation. I think you need to keep you entertained, don't you? So, <laughs> I think if he brings fingers of guitar, you can have a sing along and, you know, <laughs> a bit of, bit, of, bit, of, bit of entertainment. I think, uh, I think right now, obviously, you know, he'd probably be the most cause of chill about person. I think you, you can't be laid back and wouldn't be too, you know, getting too stressed or, you know, and climbing the four walls. I think you'd just be nice and chill about relaxed. I think I'm going to go with a couple out of a bit out there. Um, I think to start off with, if you if you're alone with the with these people, um, it will be fine. But I think I, I, isolation wise, someone to keep you entertained and keep the party going. I'm gonna say, Ruston Drenthe or Andy Van der Meijer. <laughs> <laughs> I think those two would definitely be on my list. If it, especially if it was if it was only gonna be a week or two, I think I could cope any any longer than that. I don't think I think they'd probably start doing me in. But we all know we all know Andy Van der Meijer's a. Uh, uh, past and certainly Royston Drenth uh, Drenthay's past these uh, party animals and I think that's the way I'm inclined to go to be honest. 
well, you, you can have your party and we'll have, you know, Leighton Baines in his guitar because he was entertaining with a nice chill time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds good, sounds good. Next question. Hey, the next question from Bridget Bryson asks, have you read Ancelotti's book, Quiet Leadership? It explains so much about why Kate Carlo came to us. Any bit that stood out? Um, Bridget, I can honestly say that I haven't read the book. Um, have you read it? I've not read the whole book. I've read, I've seen um, sort of chapters, uh, you know, little um, teasers. Yeah, uh, teasers from it and stuff. But I've not actually read the whole book just yet. Well, I, I definitely haven't read it, but I think it's quite interesting that we obviously the book is, you know, quiet leadership and that's the theme of it. And Angelotti's been deemed to be that type of person, but I don't think he has been that way since he's come to uh, to Goodson, has he? I mean, you only have to look at the incident where he, uh, for the Man United game, where he, he confronted the ref, if that's what you want to call it. He certainly wasn't being quiet then, he was telling the referee um, what he thought of him. No, absolutely. I think I think the quiet leadership is in terms of more, he's not kind of boisterous, you know, and in your face, like her. Marino or an or Pep Guardiola or, or even Jurgen Klopp, for instance, you know, more seem seemingly reserved. But I do think he has got that bit of a dark side. Also, I think you know when you, you see that Man United game and the way you know sort of charge on the pitch, he's using the referee's face. I think he has got that streak in him, but I think he's more more a reserved character uh, on the whole than kind of in your face, you know, right up and right off them, like you see, like like Mourinho, like that have been over in, in the past. Yeah. Absolutely, um, couldn't agree more. And I don't think we've seen um, the full Carlo Angelotti yet. Hopefully, we're going to see more of him over the next couple of months when football returns. Um, sooner, obviously, the better. But the longer he's with us, that means he's been successful with us, and you definitely get to see more of his, his personality. I mean, obviously, not an ideal situation to, to find ourselves in. Obviously, with the coronavirus um, pandemic, but he's certainly been taking his time to. You know, integrate with the fans. He was doing it anyway, but obviously, we've seen a couple of things this week where he's been out and about in Crosby, and he's uh, he's made a couple of phone calls to, to fans as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he certainly he's he seemingly been been like that since, since day one, hasn't he? I think he's he's kind of you know made sure that he's got to know people. You know, I think the fact that he, he chose to live in Liverpool and where he chose to live, you know was, was a big thing because although people won't read too much into it, I think you look back at the likes of. No, Ron Koeman, for instance, where he lives in Manchester, and it's very much like, you know, it's, it's a job. You know, there was no kind of real sense of, you know, togetherness or, you know, spirit or, you know, let's let unite everyone. Whereas Carlo, you know, completely seems the opposite. And I think, you know, he was a bit taken aback, wasn't he, by when he first met Man Liverpool, uh, the way the fans greeted him and, and stuff like that. So I think, you know, he, he is, he's down to where kind of modest guy. And I think the, the, you look at the, um, you know, his act over the last couple of days where he has been speaking to people and he's been out and about and, you know, anyone who you see commenting on, commenting on things or bringing them to light, that's not a good thing to say about him. That's more testament to the man himself than, than the football manager. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll definitely have to try and order and read his book. Going to be plenty of uh, time to, to to get through that book well, over the next well, couple of weeks. Well, now is the perfect time, so <laughs> there's lots of time. I imagine it is around now. Get into Carlo Angelotti's mind and see what we can expect over the next uh, couple of months when football does return. Um, next question. So it comes from um, Carl Oscar Lieberg, regular submitter of questions. There's there's a whole host of questions here all related to different topics, which is good. Um, they're not all about the same thing. So this one um, goes back a little bit, but Carl asks Connor, how many years uh, before we rid 
how many years, sorry, are we are we going to be rid of all this disastrous post martinist high salary players? I think it's, it's when the contracts end, isn't it? I think there's there's no other way to look at it. I think once the you know once their contract ends, that will be that will be a good to lead to football club. Um, I think it's a little bit harsh to say that the post. I think you know, obviously post martinist, it's been you know an absolute kind of free fall. I think you look at the, you know the players Steve Walsh and Mark Human brought in. The players Marco Silva's brought in. Um, it'll just be a case, I think, when their contracts come to an end, like, that's it, though, you know, they'll, they'll depart. I think, unless the club's willing to take a massive hit in terms of what they get in the fee for them, and, and then you've got to hope that the player then eventually goes and kind of maybe drops, his, drops their own wages, I think they'll be around for the end of the contract. I think that the best they can hope for is potentially getting them out on loan, getting a, uh, a, a potential of the wages off the books, and and kind of just run down that, that contract time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're spot on. I think we've said it time and time again that, you know, players obviously want to play football and that's what they're there for. But if 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 you're on mega books and you've got a contract for another two or three years, you're, you're probably not going to turn, turn away from that and you're probably just going to see it out, especially when you, you know, even if you're in your late 20s, you probably see yourself as having at least a good two or three more years at the top of the game and you could probably get a decent contract elsewhere. So you're going to see that out, aren't you? Unless it's matched by another team, but that's not going to be the case. Those players are not going to get contracts, um, you know, to the amount that they got at Everton. And um, I just think it's it's the way of the world. Unfortunately, people, players uh, are looking after themselves, looking after the family. Um, there's, a, there's an argument, I think, and a, a case to say, why don't you just go and play football? But sometimes in, in the modern day world, it's, it's not about that anymore, is it? No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, things they that you no, know, a lot of always made is never, you know, contracts and plays wages and stuff. But you know, things they 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 you know the they, the club didn't have to give them that money. They, they you know the club could have said no, we're not giving you that. No, they've been given that money. So I suppose you know it's as much you know someone the club's fault as it is you know the individuals, isn't it? You know, it's 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 a, it's a collective issue. It's not just the players and you know players. The players are always the first to get hung off dry, and sometimes rightly so. But you know, I think in a lot of cases it's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's not just the not just the players' fault. The club, the club have given that money. The club have given that contract. So they got to one of it. Steve Walsh gave him that contract. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> right, Steve yeah. Walsh. He wasn't there when Martinez was there. It was uh, that was Cumin era, wasn't it? But uh, next question from Paul Carew Rideout asks, "What's the best Everton home kit and the best Everton away kit of the Premier League era?" Do you know what? I was meant to look. I saw that question before before uh, we went on. Uh, and started recording and I was meant to look through the kits um, I can't think you know off the top of my head is there anyone that stands out for you that you, that you can remember best home kit and Everton away kit Premier League era I can't remember the yeah. Dank, the Danko one with the sponsor I can't I did like that one I thought you were going to say the salmon pink salmon pink and navy one there from uh, the, <laughs> the late 90s um, <laughs> there was a couple of nice ones under Umbro wasn't it when Umbro first Got back involved. It was, I think, it was a, a green and black kit. I think it was nice to be the third kit. Yeah. That I thought was that I thought was quite nice, and I actually quite like this year's third kit, the old navy kit. I think that's 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 quite nice. I think it's you know quite plain and plain and simple really. And I think the, the most on the kit thing, I think the, the big thing with the kits and the most disappointing side of the kits was uh, when we went with Nike. You get one of high high expectations with me, something like that. You know, we were going to look to business, but I don't think it really is up to the 
the hype or the expectation. I think everyone's like a little bit disappointed with what, what they had to offer. Yeah, I really hated the one to one kiss, the, the one the sponsor on that for some reason. I don't know whether it just brings back bad memories of it. You know, the Walter Smith days. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and it was really baggy as well. Do you remember it being really like. Yeah, yeah. Like baggy and it just used to fall off. I mean, Ferguson at the time, I think Campbell as well, Kevin Campbell, they were big, you know, big muscly players, but it used to just fall off them. I just used to think, how are you running around in that? Like, I think that's why over the years they've become a bit more refined, the kits, and a bit more um, sculptured to the players, you know, physique and stuff like that. I think I, I much prefer um, a kit that is a bit more tighter. <laughs> <laughs> that's only if you're a player though. I think if you're a, the average fan stroking or maybe dad I don't think you're open for a, a tight kick either in, in this day and age I think uh, I think I think you'd be hoping for a little, sort of a little bit more baggy than, than, than one of an ultra tight kick I think you should like to Roma and, and teams like that and that's all got in uh, Italy yeah to be fair it's a good shout out the Roma one I really really like the Roma one not the colour but just the terms of uh, the style of it Okay, next question from Jamie Robinson. Um, with Baines being a, a monster defensively and Dean being deadly going forward, do you think it's worth trying to play them both? Baines as a left back and uh, Dean as a left wing back. Do you think it would work? This has been a fair bit, hasn't it? I think, you know, there's, it's, and this has also been said about Sadiba and Colmer on the right hand side. I think they're pretty similar as well, but I think ultimately, you, you struggle because, you know, that by doing that, you, you're basically going to get rid of your, your two wingers, aren't you? So, you're then playing with, you know, you've got two, you know, like a Bernard, your Walcott, you know, where, where would they fit in in that, in that team? They're not going to get a look in, you know, it's, it, it's hard to see him going down that road. And I think if he would have wanted to go down that, that road, he would have already gone down that road, if, if you know what I mean. I think, yeah, it might be worth a try, but I can't see Carl and doing that. I can't see him they've taken two wingers um, in order to play two full-backs but another two full-backs I think there's more chance of them potentially maybe playing three at the back with you know Dean Dean at maybe that left wing-back and being at left side centre-half or you know Coleman at right side centre-half with, with the debate right wing-back um, but I can't really see you know the, the two full-backs playing as you know two wingers and then the other two full-backs playing as full-backs I think I just don't see how that maybe the balance of that might be a little bit, a little bit wrong. And I think you know if Carl and Chelsea was going to fight something like that, he would have already done so. Yeah, I think it's an option, obviously, to to uh, try out if we were we were short in those areas, especially you know suspensions and injuries ended up uh, hampering us a little bit. But you know, I think Baines is he's a left back, isn't he? And, and Dean is a left back. I think that's that's where they both mm-hmm. play. And unfortunately, well, not so unfortunately, but they're both really good at the positions. I suppose, unfortunately for Baines, that Luca Dean has probably just considered that slightly little bit better. Um, but I, I wouldn't rule it out as an option, like I said, if if injuries and suspensions were to uh, play a role moving forward. I think it, I think it it could fill a gap, definitely. Rick Eckloff asks next, assuming that the rest of the season is played, what would your thoughts on where, what are your thoughts on where Everton will finish in the table? Tough one, isn't it? Because you know now you've got to take into account like a, a lot of factors. Um, the main one being player fitness and how fit a player is going to be. I think there's still there's still 
going through training regimes in, in the house, through, you know, through this self-isolation, but they're not going to be match fit. It's almost, you know, starting the season off again and building your match fitness up, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not ideal whatsoever. I'm just trying to remember, which I think was the Chelsea game, our last official game. Uh, yeah, the four defeat. Yeah, so obviously that wasn't a, you know a great way to to sign off and and end things, but you know so much has happened off the field since since then, and you know I can't. It's almost a distant memory that that, that game now. Obviously, most people mm-hmm. want to forget it anyway because we got absolutely hammered. Um, but we've got no idea who our next actual fixture is going to be because despite the Premier League saying. They're going to return on the thirtieth of April. I think that's just at the earliest, um, the earliest date that they're saying, and it's all going to be behind closed doors. So I'm not entirely sure what's our fixture list for for that for that time. Can you can remember? It is. Um, is it? Spurs. Well, it, it would have been Leicester. No, no, not, not Leicester. Sorry, Leicester was. So, sorry, it's Aston Villa. Aston Villa will be our next official Premier League game. If football returns on April thirtieth, we would just play them on the second of May of Goodison. So you'd assume that that would, you know, stay like that, and all the other games would be would be rearranged. And I think Villa lost their last game as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, they did. Yeah. So there's just there's so many factors to to take into account. Um, I think we'll probably just finish mid table again. Um, you know, probably tenth, maybe. Seventh, if we if we can pick up a good run of results, but I can't can't see us making a, a run for the Champions League now unless something incredible happens. I just don't think I just don't think you can, you can judge anything. Yet. I don't think you know we're not still not hundred percent sure. I don't think you can make any type of prediction or assumption of, of what what's going to happen in the season. What you know you just don't know, do you? You know you don't know what way teams are going to come back, etc. And I think you know until. Until we start seeing, until we see a ball kicking that first game, we can gauge your understanding. That's when I think you'll be able to make a, a call and a judgment on where you think this where we think the season's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the, the next question is not really a question, but Stephen Grady's basically just said, "This isn't a question, but thanks for the efforts, guys, and the humour. In a strange world where everyone is on the edge, it brings a sense of normality to it." So, um, yeah, no problem, Stephen. Well, um, like I said at the beginning, we're we're going to try our best to bring um, as many podcasts uh, to the Royal Blue Channel as possible. And before we move on to the next question, I think um, it's definitely worth if there's any ideas that anyone's got um, that you you want us to talk about, then then let us know. Get in touch, and we'll uh, we'll steal your ideas off you. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Brownwell asks, "How would you like the FA to win the season? Finishing by playing behind closed doors." Proceed based on current position, i.e. award league Liverpool, or just call it nine void. I think it's worth noting just just in Rob's question there that it's not up to the FA how the season will finish. That's up to the Premier League, and I think we pretty much understand the Premier League clubs will have a massive say. So it's not the Football Association who ultimately make the call. It's it's the FA. But I think the question is still a good one because I think the one thing about this recent break and you know is that there's plenty of opinion, there's plenty of split opinion on, on this matter right now this minute. No, I, I I agree, and um, I think from what I've read over the past couple of days, the Premier League have had a meeting and the clubs have, have come together and had a meeting, and they're all in unanimous um, opinion that the season must finish. 
which I do agree. I, I absolutely agree. However, um, I think there's definitely got to be some sort of a, a cut-off point. I don't think if this is going to carry on for months and months, then you can go into the back end of this year and, and beyond. It, you know, th there has to be a cut-off point because you don't know how long this is this is going to take and it's, it could start getting very, very messy, especially with international tournaments. You know, Euro uh, 2020 is now being postponed to 2021. The Olympics, um, they play a football tournament, so that, that's being postponed as well. Um, you know, if we postpone, obviously this season is going to be postponed um, and if it carries on um, up until the back end of the next season, it's like, well, when does the new season start? Because then if that, you know, clashes with the Euro 2020 and, and the Olympics, you're going to have serious, serious issues. I think, first of all, finish the season, but definitely there's got to be a cut-off point. And if you can't finish the season, it's got to be made null and void, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to be awarding anyone anything, regardless of what position they're in and how many points clear um, they are. Um, that's just that's just my personal opinion. I don't know what you, your thoughts on it, Connor, but it's not just Liverpool who are, who are sweating on this. It's teams who are in the relegation zone. It's teams who are, you know, looking to get promoted. It's teams who are in FA Cup competitions, Champions League uh, competitions. <laughs> they're all affected. I think. I think it's just quite lucky that Everton are only average mid-table mediocrity still, and we don't have to worry about this. These mm -hmm. issues. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think it's, it's spot on. I think my opinion is that it, the season has to be played to finish, and I think it will be played to finish. I think though, even if it means they're still playing October, they'll just you know. They'll just kind of have the knock-on effects to the league next season. I think it'll be played to finish. It's got to be played to finish. You know, you can't just, you know, presume and, you know, almost just, just give someone a title because there's so many points clear or you know, relegate someone because there's so many points to drift. I think that just set the precedent then for, for football in the future. And I think it's got to be played to finish. It's, it's got to be played for, you know, the, the season's got to be played out. All my name got to be played. And I think, you know, the first chance the Premier League will get, they will start playing games behind closed doors and they'll come up for a way where my team's, you know, maybe three games a week behind closed doors um, moving well, forward. What's your cut-off point, though, if um, the 30th of April date doesn't happen and then it's it postponed again until May, June? Or at what point are you saying the season has to, you know, be completed or it's well, not going to be completed? Well, but this is the thing now, though, isn't it? Because... The way the way UEFA has gone and what people have you know, kind of said is that it is entirely to the league, so they, they can kind of play until you know September, October if, if they wish to. You know, or it's going to knock on effect with the next and next season. But I suppose you know what else is well right now. This is the most important thing is finishing this season, not starting next season. Looking at ways to start next season, it's to finish this season and ensure that the final table is done on a level playing field and in a way that's fair for everyone in, in the competition. It's someone's going to be annoyed, aren't they? No one's going to, you know, there's going to be some person who's uh, not agreeing with, with what happens. But I think everyone, regardless of what team you support, is in agreement that the season must be finished. I just, my concern is how long it's going to take to do that because I don't know when football is going to return and I don't don't think it's mm -hmm. going to be any time soon. Even, you know, even behind closed doors, I think behind closed doors, you, you'll, be looking at, you'll be looking at the likes of end of May, June. No, no, I, I agree, but it's, it's, I think it's the case of watch this space, isn't it, for, for, for the next couple of months, I think they'll, they'll give a, a much stronger indication. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's a good question there, Rob. I think that's 
that's on everyone's mind at the moment. Um, so obviously good that we uh, addressed that with a, a question that's been submitted. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The next question from Jake Marley. Um, who is the most underrated or underappreciated player in the current squad? Very um, <laughs> tough one, isn't it? Because I think I think with Charles and you know Carver, you know, I rightly get to the fact that he's there right now. I think. Um, I'd probably say Bernard. I think Bernard's you know really good technically. I think his, his work rate's really good. He, he puts a shift in. I think um, you know I, I know I know some people's concerns he maybe he's a little bit lightweight away from home and you know he, he's not maybe maybe used to the kind of defensive mind that like, you sometimes need when you're going from home of these big clubs. But uh, I think you know on the whole I think you know technically he's very good. I think he's getting better and better and. I think he, he probably maybe a little bit under appreciated by the, the good Russian faithful. Yeah, fair shout. I think I think you you kind of mentioned a, a name there which I was going to mention, but Dominic Carver Lewin. I think he's definitely got um, plenty of plaudits over the past couple of weeks from writing so because he's been scoring goals. Um, but in terms of you know um, praise from other other people outside the club, and I'm talking like England recognition and stuff like that, um, he should have been a shoe in for. The, the Euros with uh, Harry Kane and um, Rashford out of uh, the picture with injury and I don't even think, I don't know whether he was Gareth Southgate was even considering him um, but if he carry on scoring goals then he should have been in with a, a real shout and it, it's just a shame that what's happened's happened because you know he could have show, shown off his talents in uh, Euro 2020 this summer but you know, it doesn't look likely it's going to be the case and God knows what's going to happen in 2021 Harry Kane and and Rashford, you know, highly likely to be back and fit. And, um, you know, you probably just have to watch this space to see if Dominic Carver-Lewin can carry on his form and his goal-scoring return into next season. Yeah, absolutely. The next, the next question from Jake Marley asks, with Coleman and Baines no longer guaranteed starters, what do you th- who do you think is the best choice to capitalise moving forward? Second question from there, uh, from Jake there. I thought I'd, uh, I thought I'd keep it in. Um, we have questions submitted at um, from people every now and having a, um, every now and again, so I thought two questions is fine. Um, I don't think there's anyone, is there really? I think we, at the amount of times that we've said, you know, there's no real leader in that team. Um, best choice for captain. <laughs> I think we've we've had, we've been asked this question before, and I think we both suggested Jordan Pickford. Um, I know a lot of people don't like the goalies as captains, and I think we've mentioned, you know, Pickford-wise, is he mature to be? Is he mature enough to be a captain? I think the past couple of weeks has proved that he's not at the moment. I think maybe a couple more seasons under under his belt, he he might be able to. I can't think after the top of my head, other than maybe Yeddy Mina, who's a bit of still a bit of a, an enigma. I don't know what he's like in the dressing room in terms of you know motivating and you know looking after players and stuff like that, but. I suppose he could be one um, as a captain moving forward. Uh, I mean, my, my, my answer to that question, and given he's just created his long-term future, the cover be Mason Holgate. I think he, he's shown, you know, leadership signs over the last couple of last couple of months. You know, he's always there when everything's going on the pitch. He's always there. I think 
if he's probably going to make the cover, you know, hopefully the next five years, possibly even longer, he'd be, you know, a bit of a shoe in for it because he's someone who you can kind of, you know, almost groom into becoming the next captain and, and knowing hopefully if he then is that's like Baines, Coleman and stuff like that, he can become a natural, natural leader on the pitch and given his position, I think he'd be the, he'd be the perfect option for Everton. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I, I, I like that. Like that option didn't didn't spring to mind to be fair, but um, I don't think anyone thought of Mason Hogate eighteen months ago that he would he would even be in the Everton's um, squad, let, let alone team. So um, fair play to him if he does. Um, is it me? Next question from Mick Williams. Yeah. Um, pretty straightforward. This will Moyes key be an Everton player next season? Yes, he simply has to be an Everton player next season. They can't spend all that money on him and then go after one year. They can't even consider putting him out on loan, in my opinion. And the echoes haven't corresponded. You know, Phil Kirk-Brad wrote a, a bit of a piece on this today, basically saying, you know, the, the club basically got, got to work for him and improve him. He's, he's only young, he's only 19, 20, and he's only young. So, yeah, to, to answer this question in simple form, yes, you know, it should be an Everton player next season. He's got to be an Everton player next season. And hopefully, you know, summer work under Carlo Ancelotti or a pre-season, so much as summer, but a pre-season work under Carlo Ancelotti, you know, we'll hopefully put him on a good path and he can really kick on and mature next season. Yeah, cool. Next question. From Graham Harper asks, are you confident Everton are on track for Bramley Mord? Um, good question about the stadium. Um, you just never know, do you? Um, I think I think this time, I think it, it seems different. It, it's, it definitely seems different for me. Um, there's the always that anxious wait, isn't it, of planning permission and then obviously a few other various issues that we'll no, no doubt ultimately encounter. Um, but I think, you know, the fact that Machiri's on board and, you know, money hopefully is going to be in place. And um, I, I, I think, without repeating myself, this time it's it's going to be different, and I I don't think the the date that they've given is it two thousand and twenty three. Yeah, I don't, I'll be honest with you. What what are we now? We're in twenty twenty, aren't we? Um, you know, even coronavirus aside, I think that was optimistic. Um, as a date, and even with the coronavirus, you know, pandemic issue now, a twenty twenty three probably won't be. Um, the date that the stadium opens and you would see uh, an Everton team um, playing there, you you probably you might even look at like another year on top of that, maybe eighteen months to two. I hope hope it's not the eighteen months to two, but I wouldn't be surprised if if it's at least another year on top of that, which obviously would be a shame. But I think it it was optimistic anyway to go for go for that date because you you're looking at less than you know, three years for that, and I don't think that is uh, going to happen. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the current climate, the current situation of the country's in, will probably put it back naturally anyway, won't it? I think, you know, they're on shutdown, lockdown, whatever you want to call it right now. So I think that'll have, obviously, have naturally have an effect. And I think you know, there'll be a backlog. And I think, you know, the, the ground will obviously ultimately come be a backlog. But you know, I think it's worth the point that if, if there wasn't, you know, there was issues, then it'd be incredibly, you know, naive and wrong of fans to blame the club because this, you know, not their doing is it, you know, they they they've had no that's not their fault that this that this has happened and you know, it's just it's just sadly one of them things. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there will be fans who still blame the club for it though. <laughs> the last question of, of this week's podcast from uh, 
Michael Jones, and yeah, I think we've already addressed this one, I think, in depth, but he asks, do you think Premier League football will return on April the 30th? Um, in short, Michael, no, I do not. Um, I think it's very optimistic from the Premier League to to suggest that it will return for that date. I, and I understand why they've done it. They're just trying to be flexible and give themselves a bit of a bit of breathing space. But that that's obviously the earliest date possible. Um, we're looking at a month away from that now. We're you know we're in you know lockdown for at least another probably two to three weeks, but maybe beyond. Um, I think the safety of Everyone involved in, you know, hosting a football match, whether it's behind closed doors um, or not, has to be, you know, considered first, and it's it's obviously paramount. Um, unfortunately, I don't even think it will return behind closed doors. I think you're looking, I think you you're looking at a, a good couple of weeks to months after that. Unfortunately, no, I agree. I think it's very. I think it'll be probably May June before we see another ball because the Premier League saying not getting April. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that's um, that's the last question, and that is the agenda podcast for this week. As usual, we hopefully will return um, in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for the shout out for questions, and um, hopefully you're doing well and staying safe. And um, this lockdown is not getting everyone um, too down. And fingers crossed, Premier League football does return um, soon enough. Um, Connor. Nice one. It's been a pleasure. Been been different. And you, yeah, it's certainly been different. But you know, needs must in in these you know crazy times that the world's you know seen at the minute. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Agenda podcast on the Royal Blue Channel. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.